What's good, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Pro and Bro Wrestling Podcast. We are your host. I'm Arnold Talagarda. And I'm missing no days off, Fred Rosser. And yet another episode, episode 57 of Sitting Under the Learning Tree, literally. Uh, we have the final graduate of the Hart Family Dungeon, one half of the wrestling stable, the Hart Dynasty, along with David Hart Smith and my girl Natty. Uh, this is going to be an incredible episode. Uh, make, make no mistake about it. Uh, Tyson Kidd, TJ Wilson, uh, is one of the best in the business. And thank you for being on uh, Pro and Pro Wrestling. I always say, don't die with the story and you tell it, bro. Oh, man, I appreciate you uh, having me. I've watched a bunch of these. And when you messaged me, I was like, yes, finally, I'm in. So uh, I was excited. I was excited. I knew, like, we've always had a good relationship. So I was like, I know eventually I'm going to. I think you'll ask me, but uh-huh. I hope I don't have to ask him. How are you adjusting to the new normal? Uh, uh yeah, I've adjusted. I've adjusted pretty good. It's um, I, I you know I, I get to work with I get to work with great talent, so I've had a good transition into adjusting to my new role in terms of uh, in terms of that. It's uh, the talent have helped me so much that like now I'm very comfortable with what I'm doing. It took me a little bit to kind of get into the groove of everything oh yeah no i actually meant like with the pandemic and the new like you know, oh like, god i'm sorry home, man i'm so sorry uh, no, it's all good. You know what? So, so it finally forced me to to play my hand and i um i didn't build it because i can't build three pieces of lego together but <laughs> i got uh i got my home gym set up and nice. it's it's perfect. It has everything I need. Um, if I get home from tapings or something and it's like 2 a.m., guess what? I can work out. Yeah. I don't have to I don't have to rush and worry about like, oh my god, I didn't work out today because I kind of can get OCD like that. So <laughs> it forced me, it forced my hand. I, I built uh, I got my home gym built. Um, I'm trying to think. And I, I've been very I've been very fortunate. I've been very lucky that um, we've continued to work throughout this. I know not everybody's yeah. had that that yeah. privilege and that luxury. So yeah. I, I believe me, I don't take it for granted. I'm extremely grateful. TJ, the one thing the one thing that's so special about you is that you are incredibly good with dates. October October fifth. Yeah. October fifth, two thousand six. Does that like ring a bell for you? Oh, funny enough. Uh, October 15th. Yeah, yeah. I wrestled uh, Kofi. Yeah. I had my trial match. Because you want to know something else funny? October 5th, 1996, I ran first ever, at the time, WWF live event as a 16-year-old kid. So wow. October 5th has been special. Like 10 years later, I wrestled Kofi in my trial match. Wow. That's wild. That's wild because... I, I, um... I don't know why. And it, it can be a gift and a curse. This memory is like very vivid and very clear. Sometimes, it, like I said, it could be a gift and a curse. Sometimes I remember too much. I'm like, ah, maybe I could just store that one away and forget it somewhere. Tyson, that's wild because uh, you and Kofi wrestled in 2006 uh, back in the Boston area when we, me and Kofi wrestled for Chaotic Wrestling. Uh, Kofi and I worked um, worked a tryout match, and that's how he got signed. He got signed out of the match with me. So it's just funny how things work. That is so funny, man. Yep. It's funny, so I wrestled him in my tryout, and then I wrestled him on my first match, like, while I was under, uh, like, TV match at Deep South. 
And then, um, man, I wrestled Kofi so much, like uh, New Day stuff, obviously. Uh, I mean, I know that you – it's so funny how it – I mean, they say it. That saying is – I don't know if it's, like, just especially true in wrestling or just, like, you, you kind of come across the ones who really have that drive and are going to make it, you know what I mean? But, like, you really do see the same people on the way up as you do on the way down or, like, your exactly. journey. We all become – like, like for example, like you said, you wrestled Kofi when he got signed. I wrestled Kofi yes. when I got signed. Then next thing you know, all three of us are signed and we're doing these these tag matches on these loops. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. I, I couldn't have predicted that. It's crazy. And I, like at one point, at one point there was an idea for Harry to team with Kofi uh, mm-hmm. right as I got signed. So like, like Harry almost became a tag team with Kofi. You know, uh, TJ, one of the things that we have in common is that we're, we're both uh, fur dads. I know you're big with um, cats and I actually have two Persian cats of my own, uh, two boys. And they're they're yeah, the best, man. Four boys, and yeah, then the four. one girl, the one girl, uh, she's not a Persian though. She's just a little domestic black cat. Wow! So you have a total of five, huh? I have five, yeah. That's amazing. Man. Five bad cats, man. They they run my house. Uh, <laughs> they don't follow any of my rules, and I have to follow theirs or I'm out. Absolutely. <laughs> I used to have, actually used to have a cat phobia and I used to be scared of cats, but, but my wife, like my wife really likes cats. So I, I didn't want to deprive that experience for her. So I trained myself to like it. But, and I think a Persian cat is the most like great transition because Persians are usually so chill and they're not as hyper as other cats. Chill. They're very chill and relaxed for the most part. I, my, my one, the, the, the famous one, Tupaz, he, he has like a... He's a lot more like uh, spunk and and like fire about him, but otherwise, generally those Persians are like so chill, yeah. relaxed. Like my my big one, he'll sleep for like fourteen hours a day or something. Yep, my cat sleeps like both of them. They sleep during the day, but they get productive at like four a.m. <laughs> That's when they're like up and up and about, man. But what I like about you guys is that you kind of incorporate that into your brand, and you actually have like some type of like your gear, your wrestling gear resembles like your love for cats, which is cool. So uh, Teddy, Natty's cousin, he he was started he started bringing his cat like on the road with him, and like he would people would like send me pictures all the time, like Teddy's got his cat. What's he doing? What's he doing? And I realized like. I realized like, yo, this is like creating so much buzz. Like I keep getting texts about like Teddy and his cats and sorry guys, I'm just going into my house no, now. So I'll have a much, uh, much better reception. There we go. <laughs> my cats are mound. I mean, right now. What's up guys? <laughs> there we go. Perfect. Uh, so I was actually funny enough. I was sitting at Tampa airport once. Uh, one of the first times early for a flight which is very rare and i was grabbing a meal and it hit me and i was like wait a minute i'm gonna get my airbrush guy to airbrush my cats onto my gear mm-hmm. that'll be the closest i can do to having uh to bringing my cats on the road i can't bring them on the road with me. <laughs> yeah. so i was like i'll do this like this is this is pretty like irritating and like over the top and like uh i don't know i just thought i just thought it's like who most people I feel like that I've come across are like dog people. And so like, here's this, here's this wrestler that for some reason has cats on his gear. I don't know. I I thought it just was at least something different. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's cool. It definitely stood out. 
And I think a lot of people um, kind of uh, like related to you because of the the Total Divas episode, you know, when, like with your cat that eventually like you, you kind of had to say goodbye to, which, which, which broke my heart, man. Like, oh man, that was rough. That was really rough. It was, uh, whew, like that was, uh, we were on the road. I just, I just, um, come back from tearing my knee. And then, um, my cat was sick for a little while while I was home. And so he just like, he kept having to go to the vet. And of course, um, he kept having to go to the vet, uh, really late at night. So it was always like that emergency one. So it like, it's just even more expensive, but I, you know, it, it's, it's your, it's your animal and basically like your family. Absolutely. So you kind of spare no expense, yeah. man. And I just had come back on the road and um, Natty's mom was like, yeah, uh, he had like another like seizure. He's not good. And um, I remember thinking like, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to go there and like be there when he uh, has to be put down. Like, I wonder if it's best just that I have my memories of him. And then uh, Kidman actually, uh, had a dog and I think he had a similar situation and I think he said his biggest regret was not being there with the dog for its, the final moments and he said like he thought it would be too hard but then later he realized that he should have been there he felt like so he kind of gave like Natty and I that advice and I was like oh man and then um, it was during when we were filming Total Divas so they were like we know this is like really really tough but can we um, do you mind if we film it and like that way um, you kind of have it forever. And um, they were really awesome, man. I remember just coming home, going to the vet. I remember we were thinking like, hey, maybe we can bring him home for a day when we saw him. We saw how bad he was. Uh, you know, we, we, did, we, we did that. We spent that last little bit with him. And when we got home, uh, <clears throat> the Total Divas crew went and got us like all these groceries and like they were so awesome man it's something i will never forget yeah man this is the first episode on a wrestling podcast that i feel like crying man because <laughs> like man. <laughs> i i don't I, get through that one. I don't i don't cry when it comes to like watching movies about romance or someone dying or anything like yeah. that but i can't watch movies with animals that die man like the good dinosaur like i cried so many times and like other dog movies i can't do it like i've um I've talked about this, uh, me and Sammy Zayn. Um, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if, if Freddie's experienced the same thing or, or you yourself. Uh, so like when, when I fly, I don't know if this happens. When I fly, if I watch a movie, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the altitude or I'm just so zoned in, or, things are more emotional, I find. Me mm -hmm. and like, I've talked about this with a few guys. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but like, whoo, man. One of the first times I really experienced it, I was like, I watched Marley and Me on the plane. And I had never seen it before. I didn't know. And I, dude, I was like, I turned away from the person I'm sitting with. I'm in a window seat. I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> tears are coming down. And I was like, I was like, what's happening to me? This is a movie. Yeah. I, I, I have a theory with that. Um, I think the reason why um, people feel more emotions in the watching movie in the plane is because I feel like they're more invested in the movie because they have no distractions and there's nothing else there's to do. No phone, nothing yeah, just... it's just you and the movie. Yeah, so I, I totally get that, man. <laughs> I have other weird theories that like my nails get a little longer, my hair gets a little longer when I fly. I don't know why. I don't, it could all be total in my head, but I don't know. I just it's just what I think. No, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some some science that backs it up that I just don't know about. But who knows, but, man? But you're right. I'm so I'm so zoned in when I'm watching a movie on a plane that like nothing's distracting me yeah yeah so when you're on the road though who takes care of the cats 
when you when you know, uh, Natty's mom, awesome. Natty's mom, and so like they 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 love her, man. They love like uh, when she comes when she comes over like in the morning. If they hear the door, they'll of course like get interested. And if they hear her voice, yeah. they go running from my bed. They love they love Natty's mom. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but we actually met um, at Bakersfield at, on um, on Raw, like backstage, and uh, yes. and I thought that was really cool because like I really enjoyed our convo there be because I feel like just like me, you listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts. I remember sitting and talking with you with you guys in catering. Yeah, <laughs> that was good times, man. Good times. So funny about you is you'll ask a question and and then I'll like I'll I'll answer and then you'll say that you'll say, hey man, I'm nosy. I like asking questions. <laughs> I, I I appreciate it rather than like I uh, I mean just I like it I like just being open about it. it's cool it, it makes me laugh it's a funny like it's a funny thing to say yeah you know when I you know uh, I'm not on the band list or anything uh, no and, hell know, no I love wrestling uh, what's that I said everyone loves you man yeah, yeah I I just don't want to be one of those guys like oh here he is again here he is never again. I just loved. I love being around. I love being nosy. You know, I always say I still have a lot left in the tank. And oh, dude, you have a weeks. lot left in the tank, and you look great. Um, I've seen some of your stuff. You know, obviously before this pandemic, and I was like, man, Freddie's moving. Not that you ever didn't, but I just you you still move great. Um, you always kind of have that like snap about your work that I've always really liked. Uh, it's one of those things, man. I I kind of make this joke but i don't know if it's a joke or if it's just completely honest but i always say that uh oh there's almost like a wwe rolodex and once you're in that rolodex unless you do get yourself moved to the band list you can always come back you know like <laughs> once you're in that rolodex you can always come back now for some guys it might be a two-year hiatus a three-year I, I i don't i don't control like those years by any means but like once you're kind of in that rolodex there's always like as long as you didn't do something to to really mess up Yes. There's always a possibility, man. Yeah. Well, TJ, TJ, in a couple of weeks to the world, I'll be able to make an announcement, and you'll be very proud of me. Uh, off air, I'll be able to tell you what I'll be doing. Cool. Um, but, you know, like, one, one person that comes to my mind is, like, recently, before the pandemic, I was on a show with Teddy Hart, and okay. he, he, is, he, is, he is something else, man. But he fell in love with me after I told him the story of my uncle, who's a urologist. Uh, he helped Bret Hart with his prostate. Bret always said, out of all the doctors that he talked to, my uncle, Dr. Charles Russell, was the most informative what and assured Bret that and, and assured Bret that he would recover. Just ask Bret. So when I told Teddy Hart that, he was like, he was protecting me. He was just like making sure everything was good with me because uh. like. You know, you know. As long as I've been doing it, I still have respect for you guys. You know, but, no, but you always have that energy, and I'm very much like kind of an energy person. And I, you know, of course, none of us ever want to admit when we've been wrong. But I really feel like I've rarely been wrong when it comes to reading somebody's energy. Right when I first meet them, like sometimes, <laughs> and I think you know, I think we all we all have it. I just think sometimes maybe we kind of ignore it, but like. I'll almost know right away if I like somebody or not like somebody. And I try not to, if, if I, for some reason I'm getting that kind of sense, like I kind of don't like this person. I, I'm not trying to look for something to not like them. I just try to figure out why, why is this going off like that? But like, you're one of those guys that's always had a good energy. And it's so funny you say that. I didn't know that about, um, 
about Brett and about your uncle, but I remember talking to Brett um, prior to his surgery and he was, uh, you know, rightfully so, he was very uh, worried about it. And he, because there was like, there were possibilities of things being bad if he didn't get the surgery, but also things not being great if he also did get the surgery. So he, at one point, he almost wasn't sure if he wanted to, and I don't mean to divulge his information, but uh, yes, I think yes. at one point he wasn't sure kind of what he wanted to do. So that's really funny that it was like talking with your uncle that kind I'm of telling really you, set man. his mind at ease. Yeah. Next time you talk to Brett, you uh, ask him about Fred Ross or Darren Young uh, and his uncle helping him out, you know? it's uh, So once I told Teddy Hart that, man, he was just yeah. like, he just had my back and everything. He 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 wanted to put me on other shows. He wanted me to work him, you know. So like that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You guys are just amazing, man. Nah, you've always been awesome. Uh, TJ, you know, speaking of health and everything, um, what inspired you to create your company, um, Workhorse Workhorse Fitness Supplements? Um. So, man, again, I like I know I keep like deferring back to to Freddie, but. So, like, um, I always tried to keep myself in pretty good shape when I was wrestling. And then um, I get hurt. I, you know, I have my neck injury. And I know, I know to myself that I'm not going to, I'm not going to wrestle again. And if I, at that time, like when it first happened, I'm thinking, say, if I were to wrestle again, how far down the road would that be? So, friends kept coming and visiting me. And um, I kept having friends from Canada come and stuff. And so, like, They'd be like, hey, man, you want to get pizza? You want to get donuts? And I was like, well, <laughs> I don't have to wear spandex next week, so why not? <laughs> and then, like, and I had this nephew that I, like, with my knee was a little different. With my knee injury, I was able to um, do the rehab and kind of help help the process along. Mm-hmm. With the neck, the opposite. You, I was in a brace, and you don't want to move your neck. You want to you wanna keep it as stationary as possible so the bones can fuse. There's not... Like it's the opposite. It's I. It's not me working. It's my body doing its own thing, and I just have to kind of allow it to do its own thing. Yeah. So, um, I would still go to the gym once a day at that time, but I was I was not allowed to lift anything more than like fifteen pounds. So I was just doing a lot of machines and really really light. And I had the neck brace on, and the neck brace also helped tell other people like, hey, be careful. Like, clearly something's wrong with me because if you see me without the neck brace, you don't you wouldn't know that I had neck surgery at that time. So anyway, I just, the long, that's a long story, but I just ended up kind of, uh, fast forward like uh, a year. I have my um, year checkup with my surgeon and he says like surgery looks good, blah, 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 blah. My, uh, the, the neck, the fusion, the fusion went well, the screws are all in place. Everything's good. Um, but he didn't want me to wrestle again, obviously, which I was, I was kind of, I'd, I'd kind of come to terms with it. But anyway, then I'm, then I'm like, okay, like now what? And then um, I still was going to the gym, but I kept tricking myself. Like, ah, I can eat wings three times a week because I don't wear spandex tomorrow. But then like, <laughs> but then guess what? I still have to like go to bed at night and I don't want to go to bed with a t-shirt on. And I was like, oh my God, I don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't look my best, man. And then WrestleMania, WrestleMania was in Orlando and I was going there and I was like, Oh my God, it's Orlando. It's April. It's hot. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm going to hang out at the hotel. I'm going to see all these people I haven't seen in two years. And I'm going to show up out of shape. <laughs> oh, my God. I was, like, so self-conscious. And um, I started training really hard again. And being around the guys really gave me, like, that awesome energy that I truly needed. And then, like, things kind of got in motion. And I ended up uh, trying to get in the best shape I possibly could. I knew I didn't have to wrestle anymore. So I didn't have to kind of carry so much. I didn't have to try to carry as much weight. So I could kind of, at one point, man, when I first came back as a producer, I think I would like had dropped to like 174, 173. And dude, like, dude, it was so weird. I was like freezing cold on planes. I was like, oh my God. when I wrestled, I was about 190, 195. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like so skinny right now. Right? I, I put on a little bit more. I'm like 180. But anyway, I just, that through that, through like that transgression and uh, that process and that transformation kind of, um, my friend that was kind of working with me, that works with me with Workhorse, he, he was like, Hey, like, um, this, this company wants to like send you supplements, blah, 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 blah. And it, one thing led to another. And I thought, well, I'd rather, I'd rather kind of have my own company yeah. in terms of like, I like, like to, where I can control the ingredients through a distributor, but I like, they can send me samples if I, I'm like, well, how about a little bit less of this and a little bit more of that? They'll send it to me and like, they're awesome. And so I get to put out like my own thing that I genuinely use daily as well. I use the BCAs every single, the same BCAs I, I, I sell to people and I, I give away to friends. It's the yeah. same BCAs I have in my water right now. I, I use my stuff all the time. And um, it's, it's something I truly believe in. And I think Teddy's dad used to try to get us to work out when we were young and we were lazy and we were skinny kids. And um, I, in my mind, I just thought, oh, eventually you just get bigger. But that's not actually how things work. You got to put in the work. Yeah. And he, he, he has this saying, and it's 100% true. And he said, working out, working out is the one thing that works 100% of the time and 100% of the people. Now, obviously, there's going to be varying degrees. But, like, if I, if I go study to be a scientist there's no guarantee i'm going to be a scientist I, I, actually i'll tell you right now i will not be i promise <laughs> you i can't do it but if i go work out and i work out every day properly how i'm supposed to and i'm having the proper nutrition in a month from now i'm going to be stronger and i'm going to have more of my and my body's going to change so like he's the one who said it works 100 of the time in 100 of the people and it's something that has stuck with me and it and like i, I believe that to be very true and i want to help as much as I can like also get that out there. And I think it's really smart that you branded it as a workhorse because obviously with the, you know, the CM Punk pipe bomb and everything, we all knew before yeah. that, that you were a workhorse. Obviously we knew how like talented you are, but hearing CM Punk saying it at that segment, like how did you feel? Man, so double-edged sword, it was, um, uh, it was in Tampa, funny enough, that Raw was in Tampa. However, I just, torn my knee and I just got the MRI that day or I'd seen the doctor that day and I knew he needed surgery so it was really awesome that Punk was doing that and and giving me that shout out live on Raw was awesome though that was great and I'll take that any day of the week from anybody I will I will take a compliment and a, a shout out any day of the week especially the power that Punk especially at that time had on the microphone no doubt right. the 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 double-edged sword part I'm talking about is I wasn't able to cap and I knew I couldn't capitalize on it right away yeah so um so but but it was a, it was definitely and, and he, I like you know he knew I needed surgery because he 
when I got hurt, he kept telling me to text him and keep him to, up to date. So he knew I needed surgery, but I think he also knew like giving me that little shout out would, would kind of maybe give me a, that little shot in the arm that maybe I needed at that time. Yes. And it definitely like, it kind of helped my recovery in terms of like, okay, like he said my name, that's really cool. Maybe that can turn into something. I got to heal this knee and, and get back there. Um, what else was I going to say? So funny enough, uh, it was one of those like drafts or trades and uh, Wade Barrett had come from Raw to SmackDown now. And I was on SmackDown prior to that. And he, I, I, I don't want to go into a Miz style impersonation of Wade Barrett, but Wade has a very, <laughs> a very cool, distinct uh, voice uh, and accent. Do, and, do it, bro. <laughs> so, so Wade looked at the sheet and he saw that I was wrestling like two or three matches that day. And he's like, TJ, yes. over here, you're a real war course, aren't you? They got you working multiple times. And Wade, this is like almost weekly. So, and then he said, wow, you're a real workhorse. And then that's just like, that's just kind of where it came from. And then, and then Punk said it in the pipe bomb, the, like the little, the second pipe bomb uh, a year later or something. But yeah, it was, it was cool, man. I, I was that, there was some, I don't know that I always thought this, but somewhere along the way, my mindset shifted to nothing was more important to me than the respect and not not admiration but the respect and um appreciation i guess from uh from the talent and from my from my peers i think yes. that was like the thing i was going for the most yeah you know maybe i should have tried to work on other things um to maybe catch the fans eye a little bit more here and there no no doubt about that but there was some point where i had this specific mindset that like my thing was going to be like if you're around me backstage i'm going to be talking a lot of a lot of smack in a joking you, way always never, never. always always exactly and <laughs> and i try to do it to lighten the mood because we're we're sometimes doing these long drives and we're at a show for three hours and you got a four-hour drive and and then um i just if ever you like somebody wrestled me, I wanted them to, I never wanted to phone it in. I wanted to give them my best. And I wanted to, I wanted them to lead that match thinking more of me than they did going in. And I wanted to, especially when I got hurt, when I hurt my knee, I really realized how much like uh, those relationships meant. That was even before my neck with my knee. I really realized how much those relationships meant when you're, when you're hurt and you're at home and, um, like Natty's on the road and I'm just at home by myself watching Raw or whatever. And like, uh, you know, the Usos are texting me or Kurt Hot, like, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, I'm not just invisible. Like, uh, Darren, was it your was it your shoulder around that time? Oh, no, no. Knock on wood. No shoulders. My knee. Your knee? My knee. And I remember, like, reaching out to you and you're like, dude, I'm going to ask you, like, a million questions. I was like, please do. Like, yes. You, you understand, like, when you get hurt and, and other guys reach out to you that have been hurt, and you're like, oh, my God. So I always thought we were kind of this, like, cool little niche click thing. Yes. But then when you get hurt, you're like, oh, my God, like, I'm really in. Like, this person's reaching out to me and this person. And, like, I don't, I don't forget those things. As, as great as my memory is, I really don't forget those things and those people that reach out. And that, at that point, from then on, nothing became more important than my relationship with um with my peers 
Like, uh, like I don't wish this on anybody, but like when I got my, when I hurt my neck, um, just as a small little like tidbit for that is like um, people who I was friends with, but maybe we didn't exchange numbers. Now they're, so they had to, all of a sudden they're texting me. They had to get my number from somewhere, from somebody. Yes. Yeah. They're texting you and reaching out to you and you're like, okay. And then like, man, like when I got so many texts about like, man, I hope you're okay. I really miss your commentary at the monitor. <laughs> and like, and, 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 you and know so what you do. Me, so for me, I was like, okay. I wasn't just looked at as being a jerk for like doing my joking commentary at the monitor. Like at least some talent, but Naomi being one of them and Tamina text me, letting me know that they really missed it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and Wait, like, what you well, What's what that? year did you hurt your knee? Uh, I hurt my knee in 2013. Oh. 2013. I think I hurt mine. When did I hurt mine? Maybe 2014. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure. Um, you know, earlier you were talking about how you know you wish you'd do more to capture the fans' attention and all that. But in my opinion, as a fan, I think you did just that, especially right off the bat when you came swim swinging with the with the haircut, you know. And I think that was an iconic look for you. And what's funny about that is um, the first time I ever like seen you wasn't through an actual match of yours but the first time i seen you was through an action figure of yours and i was like wait who's that guy with that hair and then i saw like some of your work i didn't have this like over the top personality i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't there with my promos yet in terms of like not that i was ever a truly a great promo but i did get comfortable eventually but at that point i still wasn't um I'm a little under six feet tall and I'm a little under 200 pounds. I, so I always felt I needed something. I needed yeah. something. And um, literally, like, I was like, I, I had that haircut and I was in England and I was there for about six months or four months, sorry, the first time. And um, we did a show and then we were back in this town and this woman came up to me with her son and now her son had the same haircut as me. Wow. She's like, look at, look at him. And I was like, okay, like, maybe this is something because, like, this kid, this kid now has the same haircut as me, which is like very unusual haircut. <laughs> and funny enough, one time I was in, uh, I was with Harry. We were in Japan in uh, in the, the lo hotel lobby using the internet, and uh, pre-smartphone. And these the two uh, guys working the hotel, they thought I was Ronaldo. Oh, because <laughs> the hair soccer player. Yeah. They didn't think I looked like Ronaldo. They literally thought I was Ronaldo. And I was like, guys, you think you're Ronaldo in this hotel in Japan using your internet? Come on, That's man. That's hilarious, man. Everyone knows you as, you know, such a great in-ring skill worker. But I think, you know, a lot of people also think that you're a great entertainer with all the stuff you did with Cesaro, man. Like, all, all those segments to me. Not only were you guys great in the ring, but just all those comedic segments. Like, they were hilarious to me. And I, I love that time that you had in your career, and, and man. I I tried to use at that time we had um, the WWE app and they would like, we would, they'd, they were trying to just fill content um, to go on the app and it would like air during commercial, commercial nice. breaks and stuff. So at some points, like we'd have matches and it would air during, it would air stuff on the app. Like when we go to break, you could watch the rest of the match that you're missing during commercial. You could watch it on the app. Yeah. Uh, and also the, well, at one point there were just promos. So like, dude, one time um, I just did like, I was driving and I came up with a, with some weird freestyle kind of like a spoken one and <laughs> i just i just i just did it on the app and i just like wow. the guy the guy kind of gave with they although those ones were kind of awesome because they it was very um 
as I'm again, I'm sure Fred did a bunch of those too, but they were like kind of, uh, you were left to your own freedom. Yes. And the guy kind of said to me like, hey, TJ, maybe talk about this. And I said, okay, okay. And he had no idea I was going to do this like little, like I said, the kind of like a spoken freestyle. And I did it and I looked over <laughs> at him and he was like, but he liked it. He, didn't, he was like, where'd that come from? And it was kind of cool. I tried to, uh, you know what? So I do say that a lot. Where I got lucky in terms of um, the kind of the end of my in-ring career is that it happened when it did. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, who knows what the future would have held, but it happened when it did, and it didn't happen, say, for example, a year prior. So I got to have that last year of body work, which is like uh, my NXT run, then then me coming back to the main roster, which then led to me and Cesaro as a team, yeah. which, um, you know, the, I didn't choose this, but they say, like, go out on top. And in terms of my career, in terms of, uh, where I felt like I was at as a character and as um, a part of the show, I thought I kind of, for me, obviously I wasn't on top of the entire company or the entire raw, but for where I thought I, I had ever stood, I was on top of my game in terms of that. Again, that's out of my hands, but at least that, that year body of work, if you go from May, 2014 to June, 2015, um, uh, May 2014, I'm, I'm wrestling on the very first takeover against Neville. And then up to, um, like, for example, the Elimination Chamber, the first ever tag one that we did in, yes. um, in Corpus Christi. And then the next day is when I get hurt. So um, I had a lot of time to sit and think and feel sorry for myself, for sure. And I had a lot of time to sit and think and try to clear my thoughts. And um, I think... That's kind of the conclusion I've come to is I, I got to at least have this last year of what I am very proud of my body of work. And at least like you, to the point earlier, at least people got to see that and think like, oh, he is entertaining or like, oh, he it turns out um, he has a brain and it's connected to his tongue and it works <laughs> and he can speak. He actually can form words out of his mouth. It's, it's unbelievable. TJ, I got to tell you, like, for me, when it came to promos, I was never comfortable years ago because I wasn't out publicly. So I would always do promos like this to try to deepen my voice gotcha. to sound more masculine. Once I came out, I became more comfortable. Whatever I say, I wow. say. And, like, now, now, now I've been at, at 36 years old. I've embraced it. However I talk is how I talk, you know? That's so awesome. You want to give if you want to give me a script, give me a script. I'm going to say what I want to say and get to the point. You know what I mean? So yeah. you're not alone when it comes to the whole promo deal, you know? It's so weird. Like, you don't know, like, I totally understand your point. And, like, that makes, that like, I understand, like, you kind of being in your own head. And yes, it's funny. Like, same thing. I was like, oh, my voice. Like, do I need to make my voice tougher? Like, it's just so <laughs> funny that, like, you, you play with all this stuff. I remember, like. There are two options, uh, you, you know, you're there in FCW too. There's two options when it came to Wednesday promo class day. Oh, God. Uh, my one option was <laughs> I could kind of avoid it, kind of like hide out and yes. go home. Yes. But, the, and I knew uh, in terms of me maybe embarrassing myself, uh, yes. that's going to be the easy option. Yeah. <laughs> But I also knew I'm not going to improve at this whatsoever if I don't attack it. I have yes, to attack it yes. the same way I attacked my in-ring, except just, like, at one point I just felt I was so behind. Like, I was, I'll say at least 90% of the people, I was like, oh, my God, like, 
they're going to think my wrestling's not as good because of, well, I can out-talk it. I don't know. I just Same thing you get in your own head, man. And it's, it's always the – I guess the good thing is it's always so much worse in your own head than it really is that when it, when it goes down, you're like, oh, whew, in my mind, I made it out to be the worst thing in the whole world. But yeah. I just did a 60-second promo, and it, it's all good. Not, the world didn't end. It's yeah. still okay. I can still get Chipotle after practice. It's all good. Well, I was always a mark for Shane Douglas. So I would always try to dig my voice to sound like him, to sound more masculine. And I just, I just hated it. But Wednesday <laughs> promo class, bro, uh, I was in there with Percy Watson. He was good. Like, he could walk the walk. Uh, I was the bumper. I was the one, like, doing all the work. So we would talk Tuesday night, and we would come up with some kind of wacky promo. And, and I would always think that, my promos were the drizzling shits, but <laughs> Dusty always, always encouraged me, always Dude. like, you know, he helped me out so much. It just gave me goosebumps, man. Oh. So, so I have two yes. funny stories. Uh, when did you get signed? Uh, uh, May 4th, 2009. Okay. Okay. So, 2009. We, so we didn't quite cross I mean, developmental. Yeah, you were gone. You were like, I was, I was doing crisscross with Sheamus. Alberto Del Rio in the ring, like yeah. you're already gone, man. Okay, you're so you're not gone. there. So my best promos became when Harry and I kind of had a real falling out right before, like I ended up getting called up to ECW. <laughs> so I did like one kind of a, like I did one promo where I did kind of like a one little like shoot part on him at the end, and then he did a promo the next week mentioning my name. So I was like, okay, I'm a big Tupac fan, so I think I'm gonna do this like hit him up version of a 60 second PG promo. And I unleash on this promo. I remember he's like, Hey man, you want me to, uh, <laughs> I run my promo by you and then you run yours by me. And I was like, okay. So he ran his promo by me. And I was, I thought he was always very charismatic and, yes. and good. You know, he just, at that time he was very funny because he was like sure of himself, but also not hundred percent sure. Yes. And then, uh, yes. So I, then I did my promo and he was like, <laughs> all that about Harry? And I said, yeah. Like, oh, and I did it. And then uh, after Harry came up to me and he said, hey, listen, if you mention my name again next week, we're going to have a problem. And the truth wow. is, like, oh, the truth is, uh, Harry will beat the hell out of me, <laughs> you know, every day of the week. Uh, so, but I, but I want to stand my ground. And I was like, man, I said, well, looks like we're going to have a problem. Wow. And Norman, wow. Norman Smiley came and he said, guys, I know something's going on with you two personally, but here's the thing. You two are both looked at so highly here that, like, if you two are doing shoot promos on each other, the truth is it's just going to be – it's going to escalate. Like, you guys are pros. You guys are going to be okay. But two other people here that maybe have an issue are going to start doing shoot promos on each other, and they're not going to understand, and it's going to turn – it's going to get really ugly. So, like, you guys need to lead by example. You guys can't – and I was like – and then I was like – Hey, Harry, you want to, want to go to Crazy Buffet and this is done? Yeah, and like, dude, then we, were, then we were best friends again. It was like wow. this little two or three week period. And, um, and then about Dusty, man. So um, we did the taping before to set up the first takeover, me against Neville. And I, had a, I did a promo. Um, that was the first time I said the word fact where I – it wasn't written. I got the promo and it said, like, I, I performed at WrestleMania. I performed – or I performed on Raw. I performed on SmackDown. I performed at WrestleMania uh, and at TakeOver, blah, 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 blah. And I would look at it and I was like, okay, let me think. Like, I performed on Raw. Like, that's true. Okay, fact. 
I performed on Raw, fact, okay. Performed on SmackDown, fact. I, I mean, the truth is, I clotheslined Vince at WrestleMania, which is like how many people beat up Vince at WrestleMania? <laughs> it's like, it's like Steve Austin, uh, Shawn Michaels, yeah, Bret Hart, and like uh, maybe Linda slapped them or Trish with that WrestleMania. So anyway, I was like, not a big list of people. So like to me, that's a big thing. So okay, fact. I don't know. And anyway, that's that's when I came up with fact. And then um, after that taping, uh, uh, Bloom Tenzai told me that Hunter requested that I come down and work with Dusty on promos. And I, I didn't see it as a demotion, but I did see it as like, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll drive in Monday and I'll do promo class. And dude, I'm telling you, again, it's one of those things you work up in your mind. I drove there Monday from my house to Orlando, about 90 minutes, fretting about like, how is this going to turn out? Because I knew how good all those NXT guys were. They'd been working with Dusty for months yes and now yes, here i yes. come i'm supposed to be this guy from the main roster and i'm about to wrestle neville at the main event of this first takeover and i know that their promos are going to blow me out of the water what them what what once yes. like once that once that veil's gone it's gone I, and i was like oh my god man and so the way dusty had that one set up at the performance center was you stand there and there's a monitor behind you so everybody kind of sees what like the camera's seeing and the, I mean, it, I guess it could have gone down one of two ways. It could have gone down that I stand up there, and before I go, Dusty goes, hey, wait a minute, look at this guy. He's been on the main roster for five years, and yet here, here you guys all are, and you're all better than him at this. That's, and that's not Dusty's character, but that's yes, one way yes. that it that's, – that's in my mind. Yes. In a worst-case scenario, that's what's going to happen. Yes. Dude, I went up there. I stood. I didn't even say a word yet. And Dusty said, hold on, look at this guy. He said, this guy's been sent down here to, to work with us on his promos he's like look at him on that screen this guy looks like a movie star he's like this guy's in that ring is untouchable if yes. he gets his promos anywhere near his in ring none of you guys are going to see this he the world's his and i was like like okay yeah, like i can do this i, I can yes. i can do anything now yes. dusty knew man he he liked taking guys that weren't complete and he liked yes. building that confidence if he saw somebody that was maybe too, too good. He might not really set his, Cody's talked about this. He might not kind of set his sights on them a little bit. Yes. But if he knew like, oh, this person just needs a little bit of that or a little bit of that. Dude, it was, um, dude, he set me up so awesome. So wow. awesome. Speaking of uh, Harry, like the first time the world actually ever saw you guys was 1997 and WWE's uh, Canadian Stampede when you guys were just yeah, kids yeah. and you guys came in the ring. Um, you guys were so young back then. Um, at the, I know you started wrestling at a young age. When you at that time, were you already wrestling? Yeah, I I'd wrestled. A, I wrestled the WWE match the year prior at a live Jeez, event. That's crazy. With Harry. Wow. Harry was uh, eleven. I just I was sixteen. Harry just turned eleven. <laughs> a tag match we did with Teddy and another friend of ours. So that night, how how was that experience for you? Being in the heart of like. Uh, Everything, the whole like America versus Canada, like all these big names like Goldust, Austin. How was that? Unbelievable. And um, oh man, so I don't know if it's that because I've gotten older or if it's something to do with um, my neck injury, but like I've, be I've become a lot more emotional uh, mm -hmm. over the last little while. I don't know, the last few years, I don't know, like I said, I'm not sure what that. Maybe it's a combination of things. But anyway, there are certain matches that if I watch, I have a hard time not, like, tearing up. Like, I can feel it coming and I, like, fight it. That's one of Don't those. Because 
I, I, I mean, you're right. That's true. I should. You're, you're an OG, bro. And, uh, and that, dude, that match, that, so that pay-per-view is the last time the Hart family's kind of all together whole. Like we, wow. we had this awesome barbecue at Stu's after that bar, after that pay-per-view and like that moment where like, that wasn't planned. All of a sudden, um, one of the grandkids kind of got pulled over the railing and then it just was like free for all. It wasn't like, Hey guys, at the end of the night, you're all going to come in the ring. Like, obviously that would have been awesome too. But the sure. fact that it was just this orga organic thing, I'm sitting beside Harry in the front row for that whole pay-per-view. Dude, that crowd is so loud. Harry and I can't even talk to each other. Wow. I, like, you'll, if you go watch it back, you'll see the camera kind of shaking during parts of that. You'll yeah. hear Jim Ross and, and Jerry Lawler talking about how loud it is. It was unbelievable in there, man. Unbelievable. That, that was So, dude, the booking of, of Towns happens months prior. Like, that just happened to be done like that. That wasn't done like that, I don't think, because of the angle. Uh, a fan, a fan a few years ago gave me a, a set of DVDs that had every Heart Foundation, the group segment wow. that there was on Raw. And there were a lot of things I kind of forgot, like little things I forgot had happened. But man, like when you watch Brett, Brett at Canadian Stampede had just turned 40 years old. You watch him at 40 years old, his, his body and um, his work yeah. and his promos. Yeah. But he had his stride at 40 years old, man. Yeah, I know, because I remember watching the, I think it was the um, the Wrestling With Shadows uh, documentary. Yeah. And there was a time when, like, he was prepping up for the match and he was just talking. I forgot who he was talking to, but one of the crew members. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, yeah. And she's like, no way, you don't look 40. I'm like, yeah, I'm turning 40. Yeah. And I mean, in my head, I thought, I always thought he was like 35, 30, you know? Because he, he yeah. well, 40 is young anyways, like these days. But still, like, like, man, like. You 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 still like amazing. You're on your in your prime. You know, it was really amazing. Man, it's like, I've I've kind of talked with him a little bit, like at times about like if things had kind of gone down a little different. Like if he if things hadn't gone down the way they went down, and yeah. like if he had stayed there and just like sure, man, it's it's interesting. Like he like that '97 man, he's on fire because like that Canadian Stampede match is nuts. I I think. I think the ring entrance is one of the most perfectly done things ever. It's like Tillman comes out first to the stage and he waits. And then Jim comes out and he waits. Mm -hmm. And then Davey and they're all together. And then Owen. And then there's this pause and the building is rumbling. They know who's next. It's Brett. Yeah. All the American guys are already down in the ring. They know Brett's out next. And the yeah. building's rumbling. And Brett's music hits, man. And he high fives all those guys. And it's like, all right, now the five of us are going to war. And they walk down that. I love that. I get goosebumps. That match is, the match is too much for me, man. man. Now, now that you mentioned it, um, the, whole, <laughs> the whole Nexus versus Team WWE, when they kind of did it that way, and it was like Edge, uh, John Morrison, was that paying tribute to that moment, you think? Or was it just an act, like a coincidence? Maybe, maybe. And what's kind of funny is we have a match with Nexus. Uh, I'm, a, I'm involved in one. They do, they do one on, on Raw like the week before where they, they beat us. They do, we do a seven-on-seven seven elimination and the Nexus clean sweep. And I remember uh, specifically uh, Freddie pins me in that. <laughs> I don't remember. And then, and then you guys go on to SummerSlam. Oh, <laughs> Nexus, man. Nexus, I thought, Nexus, in terms of, like, things that I've been around for, and I was on the main roster a year before Nexus came, like, things I've been around for, I remember that that first one. So, 
I don't know if everybody knows the story, but the truth is in WWE, it's not like if something big's going on down, not everybody knows. They don't come around and say, hey, TJ, do you know that, like, the NXT guys are going to debut and cause complete mayhem at the end of the show? Like, they don't, not, yeah. I think people think that we know everything that's going to go on. Even as a producer, yeah. a lot of times I don't know what exactly is going on in other matches or other settings. Yeah. And, um, Especially if it's like a big surprise like that day. I guarantee, I, now that I know how it works as a producer, I guarantee a lot of producers did not know what's happening that day. And uh, I just remember seeing like, I remember watching NXT and becoming invested in it and then seeing like um, Wade Barrett win it. And I remember thinking like, man, I wonder what's going to happen with all those guys because those guys put a lot of hard, uh, hard work into those weeks of TV. And I thought like, I thought, really connected and I was like man there's yeah. a lot of potential in these guys and then all of a sudden like I remember perfectly we're in Miami um, I finished my segment I wrestled Kali and Hornswoggle that day so swallow that and then um, <laughs> I was getting ready to leave because it's a four and a half hour drive home and uh, rules have changed at that time you're not allowed to leave early so I'm thinking I'm maybe yep. gonna sneak out <laughs> and uh, and uh, Brown was like no no one can leave no one can leave you gotta stay for the show and I heard somebody say something like oh, did you see so-and-so's here? And I was like, maybe, like, did you see Tarver's here? And I was like, hmm, I wonder what's going on. And then, like, it was, like, the way the lineup was written is, like, it just kind of says, like, seg, whatever, like, the last seg, like, just says, like, whatever the match was, Punk and Cena, something like that. And then I remember just seeing, like, these guys coming down from, like, the aisleways, boom, boom, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. They're, like, a gang. And then they're like a group and then like when you guys started like beating those guys up it was like okay cool and then all of a sudden you guys started like ripping apart the ring and i was like oh wow like this is cool like this is this is kind of big and then um right away man those were some of my favorite live events in terms of it felt kind of like anything would happen i don't know if you remember these it was um so sheamus is i believe Sheamus is world champion. He's wrestling seen on the live events and the, the anonymous GM would flicker in and it would say, okay, now from the anonymous GM, Nexus are now going to be lumberjacks at ringside. And so like you guys would beat up Cena once or twice. I remember thinking like, <laughs> if I'm a fan, they're like, okay, obviously they're going to help Sheamus win. But then Sheamus ends up, you guys end up beating up Sheamus too. So now as a fan, I'm thinking, oh, wow. Cena might win the title tonight because like, Nexus is interfering, but they're also helping. They're also beating up Sheamus, and it just like it just added such a cool like uh, unpredictability. I felt on those live events at that time. Yeah. That CJ, yo, wait. You talked about being invested in NXT. When I was part of NXT, I hated it. I hated it. It was a game show. You know, oh. I always said, I always say, if I wanted to do American Gladiators or American Ninja Warrior, I would have done that. But like, no doubt, you're you're like juggling like I have to juggle I can't juggle so as a fan people aren't going to take me seriously so it's even it's going to take even longer for the people to get invested in me the the talk to talk challenge all this other bs it yeah. was awful it was it was yeah, a I, I'm sure living it it was like that I enjoyed watching it I guess maybe maybe being a little bit on the inside and knowing the unpredictability of it I hated um, it but then you guys to your credit instantly erased any possible goofiness when you guys first debut as Nexus. True. When you guys come down and you guys beat up Cena and you guys beat up Punk and you beat up Justin Roberts and you guys mess, beat up the smash the ring and do that stuff. 
no one's going, oh, man, these guys were juggling three weeks ago. They go, wow, this, this seemed pretty legit. And, you, and then, like, in the explanation was, like, you guys were made to be a joke. So, you, okay, you guys thought we were a joke. Well, who's the joke now? We just beat up your entire roster. Yeah, Funny enough, true. I remember uh, doing a pre-tape with you guys, and I remember it's, like, something, and it's, like, uh, it's something where you guys beat up Harry and I and uh, the Nexus do. And uh, so if it's me just stomp- – if it's one-on-one, it's me just stomping one guy. I know I know how hard I may or may not be kicking a guy. <laughs> <laughs> when, it's, when it's seven people kicking yeah. two guys and there's 14 feet and 14 hands, <laughs> you're just – you just got to tuck and just cover up and just know, like <laughs> – some live rounds, you're going to be hit with some stuff that's really going to hurt. <laughs> TJ, it was it was the worst for me because I was a shy guy. I was still closeted, so I was like doing these these uh, this fake stuff while Ryback is like plowing to, plowing into Heath, plowing into this person. Every time we would come back from the curtain, Heath would be like, "Damn it, skit man, you throwing those big elbows, man. You got to stay in tight, man." Oh he yeah, so. Did he clothesline Mark Henry really hard? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember oh, yeah. that. It wasn't Actually, good for the first us, time man. I wrestled you was a uh, six-man tag with Punk. Oh, I don't remember. You're Punk, the one that's good with dates. It was in Europe. It was uh, you, Punk, and Gallows against uh, me, Harry, and Ray. Mysterio. Wow, what a match. And, oh. and so funny, because you said, like, you were shy and stuff. I remember you, like, because you're, you're – because uh, Punk was your pro on yes. NXT, right? Yes. So that, that's why you're in the six-man with him. And this is still NXT time. And you're – so you're, like, uh, we're all sitting in these chairs, and uh, you're kind of sitting away. <laughs> and I remember Dean, the producer, he's like, hey, you, you're involved in this too. And you're like, you're like hey, I don't want to uh, step on anyone's toes. I just want to listen and see where I fit in. Yeah, exactly. And I'm still like that to this day, man. Still Dude. to this day. And it was one of those days where none of us have ideas. Now the problem is, and I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but uh, Harry and I were drinking the night before with Arn Anderson in the hotel, oh, uh, drinking these like uh, Cosmopolitans. Mm-hmm. And dude, and I just remember like, I, so I'm hung, I'm hung over the next day still. Like I'm, I'm not, when we're trying to put this together, I feel terrible, but we're wrestling punk who's straight edge. So I can't say, man, I don't really feel good because <laughs> I was drinking last night. Give me a minute. Because I know it's just, you know, our friends, and I know it's just going to piss them off. <laughs> so I'm just like keeping it to myself, like I hope. And when you're over there now, English food, there is good. Obviously, there's good English food, but our catering is usually very bland. Remember, <laughs> English. Yes. So I'm yes, eating this yes. like bland food, and I'm hungover, <laughs> and I was like, "This is." I'm drinking as much coffee. I was like, "This is terrible, dude." I started eating the cookies, and I was like, "These don't even taste good right now." I, I, I feel terrible right now. And finally, I kicked out. I remember so perfectly. I was watching uh, JTG versus um, either Beretta or Croft, and I kicked out. And I was like, yeah, "I'm gonna be good for the match." Yeah, yeah I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. But I couldn't tell Punk, dude. I feel terrible. I was drinking last night with Arn. I know it's just gonna piss him off. So I just remember being like, "Um, uh, I don't know. I didn't sleep well last night. Um, let me think. Uh, uh it was terrible. Just terrible. Arnold. Arnold. Yeah. T- TJ's the guy, the first ever tag team elimination chamber match. I think it was TJ and Cesaro put all that together. I'm the guy that just 
hey, guys, put me where I need to be. Put me where, you know, I took my first ever off the top. I took my first ever uh, gut wrench suplex from Cesaro. I was scared. He took care of me like no other, man. I mean, it was yeah. you guys that put together that match. I just said, put me in where I need to go, man, because there's too much going on. I can't remember. So again, uh, one of those things I know is obviously going to sound like I'm I'm praising myself, but it's I'm, my point is you that should. It's, you should. it's one of those things. It's one of it's one of those things where again I was saying the relationship with your peers. So I, I remember we're all sitting in the stands and we're getting told the details of the chamber match. Um, I remember the idea at that time was that Cesar and I would be the last cage to open, the last pod to open, and that we would be eliminated like probably within three minutes. And I remember everybody saying, no, we can't do it that way. I these remember, guys the, yes. These guys are the glue. And I was like, oh my God, like, I love these guys, man. Like, these, like Cesar and I are going to go fight for ourselves. I know that. And I especially, at that time I was, I'd become a lot more chill. I knew Cesaro was definitely going to go fight for us. I know he's going to. But when I saw everyone else do that, I was like, hell yeah, man. Like, this, this is what I do this for, is that we all are on the same page. Exactly. I'm not trying to one-up. I'm not trying to one-up somebody else. If I'm nope. in there with you, let's do the best we can do. I'm not going yes. to say, come back and say, ah, Darren's no good. Hell no. Yeah. I want to come back and say, hey, follow that one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, man, that was a great Obviously, my last match is the next day. So, like, I always treat my official last matches like that chamber. And so, like, that moment to this day, like, means the world to me. Yeah. When we're all sitting in those stands. Yeah. But, TJ, what, what's this footage I'm seeing you in the ring, man? What's going on? You know, I mean, you, you look good in there. So, I got a, I got a ring in a warehouse uh, that, where I would, like, store my supplements. And I got a ring put in there. I got a... A ring from WWE that I I requested. Wow. Um. Really, my like I don't. My plan is just to kind of like either like have talent work out or like um, even if I just like, and I'm sure you understand this. If right. I'm so if I'm sitting in my house, if I'm watching wrestling, I'll start really thinking of wrestling. But if I go, and it's only 20 minutes from my house to the warehouse. If I go there and I even just kind of sit in the ring. Now I'm really thinking of wrestling. I'm really coming up with stuff, not for myself, but for other people. Yes. And um, so they, I had uh, the guys come set it up for me last Thursday. And I was like, well, let me just hit the ropes a little bit because like, I haven't hit the ropes in five years. I just want to do it. Yes. And so that's all that was. Wow. But never say never, though, right? I think, like, so the truth is, um, I'm I'm at peace I'm at peace with it. I I pitched to do I wanted to try to do a Royal Rumble so that the only reason I wanted to do the Royal Rumble yes, I didn't yes. want to take, I'm goosebumps. I didn't want to take goosebumps. spot, but I wanted to just say if my career if if our careers are a book. I just wanted to write the last chapter is not the match I got injured. My last the very last paragraph of my book is then TJ had one more little match at the Royal Rumble. He didn't have to take any bumps. Um, yeah. He got eliminated over the top rope, and yeah. he's healthy. Yeah. Um, and and um, it the talks got pretty good, but um, eventually it just there were a lot of reasons um, maybe why we couldn't do it. And I was while I was waiting for an answer for like two to three weeks, and again maybe Freddie's experiences, but maybe not because you've never like stopped wrestling besides an injury, but you've never kind of just decided like, yeah, I guess I'm retired now. Like, uh, 
that anxiety that I, I would get anxiety before my matches. Like if I knew a pay-per-view match was coming up two weeks out, I would start like having a hard time sleeping or I'm dreaming of the match. And, and that, that's been gone in my life until like last year when I was trying to do the Royal Rumble in Phoenix, uh, 2019, uh, for those couple of weeks, I was waiting for an answer. Those dreams started coming back again. Where like, uh, the matches getting the Royal Rumble is getting ready to start, and I can't find my gear. And where did I put it? Where did I put my bag? And my, like those dreams don't exist with me anymore. That feeling yeah. doesn't exist with me anymore. So uh, I started getting those. So when the answer was no, I can't lie. There was a little bit of me that was relieved because it was like, well, what if we are? What if I am making a mistake? What if? what's meant to be is meant to be. And I'm, you know, I've, I truly, truly like from the bottom of my heart, enjoy my job, enjoy yeah. my role right now. That I don't want to jeopardize something. And uh, for one little thing that, you know, say, say it goes excellent. That's great. But say, say it really, the, the thing that was said was, hey, just say, say we think everything's in our control and, and everything's fine. But what if something happens? Now, when that was said to me, in my mind, don't ask me why. <laughs> in my mind, it was like I'm, stand, I'm like coming down to the ring and I'm standing on the steps and I'm kind of looking at the crowd and somebody jumps me from behind and like jumps me from behind and whip flashes my neck. That was like the image in my mind. Yeah. So, so, so fast forward three months later, I'm at the Hall of Fame watching, and some guy dives in and spears Natty and Brett down. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, oh my god! Like, I had this image happening to me on the steps, and three months later, I'm watching, and I was like, okay, I, the right call was made. I, I don't need one last little thing. That's fine. Um, I'm good. I'm good uh, doing what I do now. Yeah, and you're like I said before, you're amazing at it, man. And I think you have such a great. I appreciate that. And it took me a little bit to get kind of back used to things. I was kind of so gone from from being a part of WWE for two years, and yeah. then and then to become a producer was like, okay, give me a little bit of time to get like acclimated to this. Because I mean, for anybody, if you go from wrestler to producer, yeah, there's not a course. There's not a course you take. It's all learning on the job. Yeah, and I hadn't been around for two years, and so it just, it just, I just, took, it just took me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, who's like, who's some of your favorite talent currently to work with? So I'm very biased, obviously Natty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so for a long time, I kept working with like Seth and Dolph, guys like that, and it yes. was like, dude, I, how easy is my job of doing that? And yes. then. And then at some point things shifted and I started working a lot with the women and um, I worked a lot with Becky, um, Carmella. That was kind of where it started. Carmella, then Becky. Uh, A lot lately is Sasha and Bailey, Asuka. Mm -hmm. Like they're just like, they're so driven. Uh, Obviously, like I said, Natty, like she wanted to go to the ring today and go over some stuff and like, just like, just like, because there's not live events now where we're used to kind of, like she's used to wrestling three or four days a week. And yes. now this is a different schedule. So, and she'd been wrestling for like 20 years. And yes. here she is, like, you can always get better and you can always learn something new. And so, like, I love, I love, the thing I love about working with the women is, and I'm trying to think what's the best way to word this. So, 
say over the last, uh, so I think those girls just, they, uh, they just passed like five years, like Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky, that they got called up to the main mm. roster. So say five years since it's like women's evolution. It's still really new. Like there's only been, I told the girls at uh, Money in the Bank, the, so they did the original Money in the Bank, the, the women's one. Then they did it again on SmackDown. That was like my second day as a producer. And then, um, so now the next pay-per-view, I look at them and I saw like, uh, I saw I saw seven nervous, seven or eight, can't remember, nervous faces getting ready to go out there for the money in the bank. And I, like, again, like I said, I think I have a very good rapport with the talent and me not being so far removed from being a talent. And I was like, I went up to them. I took the headset off because they're going to, and I said, hey guys, here's the thing. As long as nobody gets hurt, it's all good. You guys can go out there. If you guys mess up every single thing, guess what? If you guys go out there and this match sucks, guess what? It's still the third best women's money in the bank ladder match. Ever. <laughs> so and they all took a second. Yeah. And they're like, this is only the third ever. I said, exactly. Uh, so good. In, in 20 years, it's still in the top 20. That's true. Yes. Facts. <laughs> and they're like, then, then like they kind of relax. And in a weird way, again, I don't know if I'm wording this properly, but they're almost playing. Not they're not playing. Maybe. The comp maybe us as a company, but it's almost a game of catch up. Like yeah. how many how many men's rumbles have there been? There's been over thirty. There's been right. there's been there's been three women's rumbles. Right. So it just it's it's still new. It's still fresh. There's been I believe two women's Hell in a Cell matches. Yeah. So it just it's just it, and it's cool for me to be on this journey with them. And whatever small small part I play in it, it's so cool to like. It's so cool to see them come back after a match and like be so proud. Like uh, I wasn't the producer for it, it was Fit was, and he did an excellent job. But it was Natty, Natty and Becky had a submissions match at SummerSlam last year in Toronto, and and it was amazing. And it was so cool. Like it was really cool is that somewhere there is WWE footage of Seth and I watching it together in Gorilla. Oh, some, cool. some cool footage yeah. that they have somewhere. Man, I love talking wrestling with you, man. This could be like a like a five hour podcast, and I'm, uh, I'll I'll enjoy every minute of it. I can just go on, man. I've watched. I don't know. I just I've been engulfed myself into so much wrestling over twenty five years. <laughs> and this is cool. Me and Fred were actually just talking about this. Like the first time we ever done a Zoom three part where it exceeded like an hour and twenty minutes was with uh, Tarver. So you're like the second person that would have to connect three times. It's it's great, man. I love it. Um, I just want to, I just want to ask, uh, one question. Um, you know, you're such a great producer and like, you know, you mentioned you work with so many talents, uh, in WWE. And I also heard that one of the talents that you work with was with, uh, Brock, right? Like you, um, produced a, a few of his matches. How was it working with him? Uh, I, did, I did one with Brock. It was, it was, um, it was funny. It was interesting because, um, he, he had his own, he had his own room, which isn't, you know, unusual and, uh, so I kind of didn't, I didn't understand, I didn't know when we were first meeting. So like I was with Michael Hayes and Hayes had gone in there and I didn't go in there right away. And I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, it's like awkward if I go in there now. So I'll just wait. And then I saw like Braun eating and I was like, hey, uh, you know, I said, were you just with Brock? He's like, yeah. He's like, we're going back in in 20 minutes. I'm like, all right. So then I went in there and then um, <laughs> it was in LA. So funny. And then I was in there. And 
Michael Hayes got called to go do something and Braun got called to do something. And then it was just me, Brock, and um, this friend of his. And I was like, man, <sighs> do I just sit here? Which is like awkward. But if <laughs> I just get up and, and if I just get up and walk out, like pretend I'm on my phone or something, like that's awkward too. And I was like, I was like, man, worst case scenario. Well, worst case scenario, I guess could be really bad. Maybe, maybe Brock beats the hell out of me. But <laughs> I was like, worst, worst case scenario is he just says, hey, get the hell out of here. And I was like, oh, sorry, sorry, Lesnar, whatever. <laughs> anyway, anyway, man, I'm just sitting there and he's like, hey, uh, TJ, you're from Calgary, right? And I was like, yeah. I said, um, I said, dude, you moved to Saskatchewan. And he's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, so did Stu ever stretch you? And I said, yeah, he did. And then funny that my memory came in. I said, I said, uh, I said, dude, Stu would have loved you. I said, I was like, oh, no. I said, you met him one time, right? He's like, yeah, he was being pushed around in a wheelchair at a house show. I said, yeah. I said, so he wasn't actually confined to a wheelchair. He just, to get him around backstage, it just was easier to be, to push him in a wheelchair at that time. Uh, he was, he was like 87, wow. uh, turning 88 at that time. Wow. Yeah. And, um. Dude, and he was enamored with like big guys. And I said, I remember now, I remember you meeting him because he, he asked you what you weighed. And he's like, yeah, how the hell do you remember that? I said, dude, I have a really, like, I have a really crazy memory, man. It just, I can't help it. I can't help it. And like, it was very cool, man. It was very cool that it was, his friend was there, but it was like me, Brock, and his friend kind of talking about like stew and being stretched and like living in Canada was like just kind of, I wouldn't have guessed that, that like that was gonna be my conversation that day, man. I'm telling you. Wow. So it was it was cool. It was very cool. I, I uh, and especially ever since then, he's always been like almost like goes out of his way to at least like say hi when I see. Oh, him. that's nice. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I I'm a even if he was even if he uh, was like insanely rude to me, which again he never has been. Yeah. Um, I still he still. For me, if I take myself out of the equation and I just try to watch it as a fan, I, he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So, sure. Sure. so uh, like I, I would be like, oh man, yeah, I guess you know he's just living the gimmick. I, I would try to, I would try to like do it, think of it in a way that like it wouldn't hurt my feelings that like he is extra rude to me, but he wasn't, man. He's always nothing but nice. So, <laughs> TJ, normally like uh, I like to do the podcast sometimes outside or inside, outside, it's like WrestleMania. Like when WrestleMania starts, it's light. And then by the time the main event, it's dark, you know? So we'll definitely have to do a part two. But uh, before we take it home, I just wanted to hit you with 21 rapid questions. Uh, You down to play? Yes, of course. (laughs) Okay. Um, And are these supposed to be like one word answers? You can do whatever we get. It can be one word. You can elaborate. But it's just all in good fun. Gotcha. Uh, question one, what's your favorite thing in your closet right now? Favorite thing in my closet. Uh, uh, so I have, I have these, uh, man, I forgot the name of it. Jinder's one who showed me and like you, you hook it up to this kind of like, uh, uh, it inflate. So you have these leg ones, you put them on your legs. It almost looks like hockey pants style. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it helps like recovery, like after like a hard leg workout. And so I kind of I got that recently. And I keep it in my closet. So at the moment, that's my favorite thing in my closet. I Why? don't have the name offhand right now. Yeah, I forgot. I tried Titus's um, one time when I was at his place. But yeah, I know yeah. What about um, when things break, do you prefer to fix it or replace it? 
Um, I'm gonna go. Yeah, replace. I, I, I generally, <laughs> I'm the worst handyman in the whole world. So me too. Me too. So, so if I have to fix something, I have to hire someone. So like, <laughs> so I'll just replace it. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, okay. What job would you be absolutely horrible at? Oh, I mean, man, <laughs> anything outside of wrestling that's not yeah. involved in wrestling, man. Like, uh, uh, let's say a, a marine biologist. Terrible. <laughs> What's your favorite movie ever? Ooh, favorite movie ever. Ah, uh, man. Why do I, this is going to sound so bad. Why do I forget the, na the name of it? Uh, Denzel movie where he's uh, the bodyguard in Mexico for a little girl. I've never uh, seen that one. Ah, uh, man, I know the name. Before that, prior to that, it was always Shawshank Redemption, and then yes, what? No, no. Nat, Nat, Natty's on Trend Day. It's not Trend Day. That's the cop one. Uh, what's his? Um, there was like a two part, right? Like, the, no, the, this movie. Uh, this movie's kind of a redo. I remember one time Primo mentioned it to me on the bus because a wrestler from Puerto Rico, Apollo. He's one of the guys. He's one of these like um, one of the guys in on this kidnapping that. So he's in the movie. Um, I'll look it up before this conversation's done, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, of course I'm stumped on the title. I'm really bad at like song titles too. I'll know a song, but I won't know the title. I get same really here, same here. I get that. Um, man on fire. Natty just told me man oh. on fire. It's man on fire. <laughs> if you if you haven't seen it, like if you want to talk like wrestling lingo, if you want to talk about like the ultimate comeback, yeah, watch that movie. Okay, watch that okay. movie. We'll do. Tell. Tell Natty, thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, what What's the most disturbing uh, What's the most dis disturbing thing you've ever witnessed? Most disturbing thing I've ever witnessed. Hmm. Man, that's pretty tough. Uh, it could be in the streets. It could be yeah. in the locker room. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Um. So I, I don't know if this counts, but I remember like a, again, when we're like, I have to keep bringing my cat into the vet and this family brought in like their dog and the dog, I think had tried to jump a picket fence and like almost like uh, caught itself on its stomach Ooh. and it had punctured, it had maybe, it had maybe punctured something really serious. So this family's in there and this vet was an emergency vet. So like, they're great. They're always so great with me. But the truth is, you go to emergency vet, like the 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 money just even to come in is like doubled going to a normal vet. Yeah. And so they're like, well, to do these, ooh, we'd have to do an X-ray. So in order to do that, it'll be like a thousand dollars. And the family's like, oh, we don't know. And I saw the family kind of huddling, and I was like, oh, oh man. I know that's maybe not the most disturbing thing I've seen, but I was like, oh it my is. god, I gotta get, I gotta get out of here yeah. before like, like before I did, like there's a there's a giant part of me that wanted to say like, no, no, I'll pay for it. But then like, yeah. that's just going to open up Pandora's box. And then sure. I was like, I, uh, I don't yeah. know what to do. I got to get out of here. Yeah. And I just felt so terrible, man. That yeah. like this dog's in pain and awful. Uh, if you, if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? What would I say? I would say, I think that one thing that I, think that I wish that we should have learned during this pandemic and I don't know that we have is that we should that we can't take anything for granted and yes. and I you know I need to, I need to take my own advice but I and I think we need to be a lot kinder to each other yes
I love that. What's your biggest pet? Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve. My biggest. So I'm. <laughs> my biggest pet peeve goes along with Natty's biggest pet peeve. So I'm big at like I put things in weird places, but I know they're there. Like yeah. she doesn't. She sees it as clutter, so she moves it. <laughs> and now I have to go ask her where it is. And then, like, so her biggest pet peeve is me putting it in these places. My biggest pet peeve is she moves it from these <laughs> weird places that I store stuff. Mm. What's the stupidest thing you've ever done because someone dared you to? Hmm. Man, that would probably be something in wrestling. Like, probably, like, when we were kids. So when I was a Kid, like man, I don't, I don't know if this only happens in wrestling but in wrestling what I find is if you get hurt doing something you're less likely to do that again you kind of have the mental block and a fear and as a young kid at like 14 I broke my wrist doing a drop kick off the top rope wow. and I had a real I had a real fear of doing that again and I like couldn't bring myself to do it again and I remember the ring was set up for some reason it was winter time there was snow and Teddy's like I don't know if he's daring me or just almost physically forcing me but he was forced me forced me forced me to do a drop kick off the top rope again mm. and it was like in the snow it was the rings frozen man it's like it had no give to it but oh, i did it goodness. and i did it again for the rest of my career <laughs> what's your favorite swear swear word uh the f word for sure right it it, <laughs> it kind of it it it, it 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 can mean anything yeah it, it can be used when you're happy when you're mad yeah, sad everything and it yeah. it encompass that i don't know if there's more if there's a word that encompasses everything more than than the good old f word at the right time i think Ryder said that we uh we had him on the podcast i think he said that yeah it's just I, it's hard <clears throat> to top it um what is one food that you would never give up one food i would never give up i will say sushi oh yes sushi, yes answer if you could have three people over dead or alive for dinner, who would they be? Okay. The interesting group here. Let me see. <laughs> uh, Brett, because uh, he always has those great stories. Then yes. I guess it'd be two guys that I never, uh, Connor McGregor. Wow. And, and, and then Tupac. And we'll see where the conversation kind of goes. <laughs> who, who, who's going to control, who's going to control that conversation? I, I'm just going to be listening. I'm not going to be speaking. So yeah. I'm just going to see where, where it goes, who takes over. Uh, what's the worst backhanded compliment someone's ever given you? Uh, that, that one's pretty classic. It's the, it's okay. So I actually almost my whole career when I meet a fan in person, it almost always is, wow, you're way bigger than I thought you were on TV or, or like, or another one would be, um, uh oh man i wish they used you better oh like, god oh. god same here same Which, here i know they mean as a genuine compliment i know that but but then the funniest one was i, I it's literally happened one time that's why it sticks out i met someone and they're like oh i thought i thought you'd be bigger <laughs> oh. so i was like uh, oh wow okay number 14 is your belly button in or outer uh in uh who was your first celebrity crush? Uh, I bet Ryder might wonder. <laughs> Ryder the same question? Yes. You know his answer or no? I do. Yeah. Uh, oh, did he say, did he he say said Kelly that, from Saved yeah. by the Bell? Yeah. You did. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably mine too. <laughs> I would always 
when I was younger, I, I would always say that too, but it was really AC Slater. Ah, dude, so like, uh, totally off topic, but uh, I saw, I watched this documentary called Outcry on Showtime. And then I, I followed the guy, he followed me back. It's an unbelievable story. But so I watched his Instagram story yesterday and he was walking with a guy and I was like, yo, that looks like, that looks like Mario Lopez. But I was like, but like a way younger version. Dude, it was Mario Lopez. He just looks phenomenal at whatever, like I'm 40 now, at whatever age he is. He just yeah. looks absolutely phenomenal, man. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, and bro, working out is the secret. Yeah, exactly. And you look good too. You just turned 40, man. You yeah. look like you're tw 21, bro. Oh, thank you. Uh, number 16, what's something you've tried that you'll never try again? Um, it's, it'd probably be the dropkick, huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah. The truth is, uh, but I didn't only, you know, I'll, ne I'll never take a, a bump again. Uh, uh, what was your first job? My first job, uh, delivering flyers. Mm. Oh wow! I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing in America, but that was a thing. Like when I was a kid in in Calgary, it was like a lot of a lot of like friends or people I knew, like they delivered flyers. And by deliver flyers, I mean I I would deliver to like two or three houses be lazy <laughs> throw, throw them in the garbage and then like i was my mom was like if you don't do them the, they they're gonna call the people and find out and I, was like, I was like and this is like uh 1991 or something so like i unplugged my house phone like they get call me like oh, oh, oh. well 18 what's your favorite tv show uh of all time yeah uh, I'm gonna have to go with Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. I love Seinfeld. Is is there a personality trait you can't stand? Um, no. Funny enough, I feel like I can. <laughs> match, uh, I don't know why I can kind of get along with kind of anybody. Oh, uh, best gift ever received. Sorry, what's that? Best gift ever received. Uh, so. Be due to the way that uh, the world was this year on my birthday, Natty originally planned to have a bunch of people over, but then thought with social distancing yeah. and just it's probably best we don't. So instead she made like a YouTube video uh, where she got a bunch of people to send in videos. And so mm -hmm. like, so rather than people coming over and kind of telling me like, hey, happy birthday, like we think you're cool for one time like now i have this youtube video that i can watch anytime i want and that's, so it's the best gift i've ever received that's awesome uh, and, and last but not least toilet paper over or under uh under <laughs> but i'm also but uh when i'm home i'm a bidet guy i have a bidet yes <laughs> yes <laughs> that's the way to go yeah you know uh tj we can definitely go on on and on uh but really thank you for being a part of the podcast man uh, i really appreciate it oh no man i appreciate it and i thank you guys for having me and i look forward to being able to see you guys soon in person hopefully when things yeah. kind of resume a little bit more normal i look forward to it thank you so much man yes definitely definitely it's cool because like uh obviously i met you last time in, in bakersfield but like every time i've ever run into to, to freddie ever it's not like we just you can just like pick up and have a conversation like 
like I just saw him the day before. It's not. It's never like the weird, awkward like, uh, hey man, uh, yeah. are you doing? Like right away back to the same. <laughs> even, yes. even in our conversation today, it's just right away back to back to normal. Like every like we just wrestled each other yesterday. You know, it's cool. I really like yes, it. Yes. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. When the, when the world gets normal, we should all get like sushi and just, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. L.A. has some awesome uh, Korean barbecue that I love. Oh yes, yes. Hell awesome. yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, man. It's like, oh man, thank you guys for you. <laughs> I feel so bad. Yeah. So late. <laughs> no, it's all good. I'm fine. I'm a night owl. It's all good. All right, man. Well, thanks again, man. Okay. Talk soon. Take care, guys. TJ Tyson, you know, he's he's still my boy. You know, um, yeah. Sometimes I call sometimes I call guys by their real name, by their stage name. It don't matter. But TJ is something special. Um, I'm glad he's still making moves, producing, helping newer talent and, um, talent that's already, you know, making moves themselves. You know, he's got a great mind for the business. Uh, he's always been, he's always been one of my go-to guys when it came to putting together matches or having ideas and stuff like that. He's got a great mind. I'm glad he's still, uh, doing his thing. Yeah. And you know, he's, he's so humble that he doesn't like make it a big deal, but he is super inspirational, man. He's such an inspirational individual. I feel like he can be a motivational speaker because he went through something that could break a lot of people, you know? Like, what he went through was a career-ending injury. There was a moment where he thought that he was paralyzed from the neck down. And, you know, he, you know, he did what he had to do to pick himself back up. And he's, like, he's not – he should be bragging about it, but he's just, he's just going about it, like, kind of like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I did it. But like, it's it's so powerful, you know, that he he um, he conquered that, and he's such a strong individual. And it was an honor talking to him. Just a great guy, man. Like, I just I feel like I connect with anyone that enjoys wrestling. So it was a cool convo. And and you want to talk about being a joy to have in a locker room? And like, you know, he'll let you know. He'll let you know if like something something's not right or something doesn't look right. He's just like over the top in the locker room. He'll <laughs> let you know. He'll let you know how it is, you know. So he's yeah. some. Um, he's one guy I don't want to get on his bad side. And for him to do the podcast, you know, of course he was on the list. You know, I wanted to have him on. Yeah. You, know, you know my motto. You know my motto. Don't die with the story and you tell it, baby. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Well, it's it's been a great episode. One of our long ones, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, thank you guys yes. so much for listening. If you're listening to us on iTunes, make sure you guys give us a five-star review. And if you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to give it a big thumbs up and subscribe. And until then, episode 57 is a wrap. Block the hate. Salute the great Arnold Telegarta. <laughs>